But I want to preach on a subject this morning <clears throat> that uh, uh, I, I think a lot of people, especially uh, those who struggle and suffer with doubt uh, in this in this world, this present age uh, that we're going through. And you know, this is this is something that I believe. I believe this is almost the life cycle of a Christian. I believe that uh, that every Christian at some point in their life will be faced with a point of opposition where they'll wonder if they're saved. Uh, were they truly saved? Am I saved now? Uh, and if it's not something that you've dealt with, I'm thankful and I praise the Lord that you've never experienced it. Um, and I have had conversations with some people who, uh, who haven't had that struggle. I personally had a uh, a hard struggle with that. I was saved as an eight-year-old boy. Um, and as I, as I grew older, I grew further and further away from the Lord. I ventured out into the world. Uh, and I've said this on numerous occasions, sin will carry you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, sin will carry you to a place. Uh, John and Peter, they both... Uh, talk and preach about this subject, they, they talk about sin carrying you to a place where you can forget that you were ever once purged from your old sins. And friends, listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you something today that, uh, uh, that, that, that people can, they can, listen, God is not going to overpower your will and your desires to a degree, and I'll get into that in just a few minutes. But friends, listen, I want to I, I want to leave this this morning where people are encouraged because the Word of God encourages you to know that you are saved. Uh, the Word of God is full of promises that can encourage you and strengthen you in your faith. And if you don't have these ingredients which the Scripture clearly and plainly defines that I encourage you this morning to get saved. Uh, and listen, there's nothing wrong. There's a lot of people, uh, listen, they go through life, they go through a long period of their life where they maybe are self-deceiving themselves. And I, I believe that this will become more prevalent as we begin to study the Word of God and study the Word of God in context. So uh, listen, I, I'm going to get on with this now. Going to keep you under two hours. <laughs> Matthew chapter number 13. I'm going to read several verses right here, and then I'm going to flip back to the 12th verse to set the context of the Scripture. But in the 12th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, in the first verse, the Scripture reads, The same day went Jesus out from the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went uh, into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up, and some fell by or upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, and other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came. Now listen, pay attention to verse number 10 and 11. 
And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? So now listen, now we've got to set the context of who them is, right? Uh, so now the Bible says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. So here we see that there are two separate different people that he's talking to. He's addressing them at one time. Uh, listen, he's addressing the whole corporate crowd at one time. And the disciples came to him and said, Why are you speaking to them in mysteries? But he said, Jesus then gives them answer. He said, I'm speaking to you where you can understand, but it's hidden to them. Why is it hidden to them? Now let's read on. Except for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and him that hath abundance, uh, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see not. Listen now. But therefore I speak unto them in parables, because. Now he gives us the answer. Listen, you can, you can stand up an entire denomination in a religion if you just read one verse and don't read the rest of it. Now listen, he said, Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which, has, which said, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Amen? Uh, so, friends, listen, now we see who us and them are. Amen? Now, listen, now you say, well, preacher, how do we know who them are? Flip back one chapter. Now, listen, the Bible tells us right here, uh, if we pick up about verse number, and I know this is a lot of reading, but this is important. Amen? This is important. If we don't understand the Word of God, then, then, it's, then it will be of none effect to us. Amen? So we flip back to the 12th chapter. We pick up about verse number 15. The Bible says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make, uh, make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, uh, uh, spoken by, uh, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment unto the Gentiles, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and, and in this and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Then was brought to him of one possessed with the devil blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb of both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, and when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not 
stand. Amen. So Jesus was by the sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude had went out and followed him. Jesus withdrew himself on the boat and on the seashore where the Jews and the Gentiles that were believing in what Jesus was preaching, they were believing in the coming of the Messiah because of all of his wonderful works and miracles, and the Pharisees were there with him. And they, every time Jesus was doing something, they were trying to sow seeds of doubt. Listen, Jesus had carried, and he healed this man. He was both blind and dumb, and Jesus healed him miraculously. And listen, the Bible says, and the Pharisees said, well, he healed him because it was of the spirit of Beelzebub. And Jesus said this, kingdom divided against itself shall not and will not say So now we have context, right? Now we have Jesus teaching to a multitude by the seashore, and we have Pharisees intermingled in with the common folk. Amen? Sounds a lot like the church, don't it? Say Amen. Friends, listen, now, I'm going to tell you something. There are Pharisees, so in among us. Listen, we can read this, Jesus, and I'm not going to read the entire book of Matthew, but Jesus addresses this in the next chapter. Listen, Jesus said that there was a good one that he had a field. And he went and he saw that field. And the Bible says, and at the midnight hour, the enemy crept in and sowed tares among the wheat. And the Bible says this specifically. Now, friends, listen. They didn't realize that the enemy had had crept in. You know when they realized it? Listen, after the seed, I'm going to tell you something. You know this, friends, listen, the seed, it must first die. Listen, when the seed dies, it then germinates and it grows down before it grows up. Right? Listen, if it just grows up, we'll get to this in just a minute. If it just grows up, when the sun hits it, it then just burn up. You must first grow down. You've got to have some Jesus roots. Amen? I'm telling you something, friends. Listen, if you haven't grown down before you've grown up, then you have no earth underneath you. And Jesus, listen, the Bible said he was speaking a parable. Now listen, I want you to hear me, so I'm going to take my time. Amen. Because there's so many people in the church today, they are so confused, seated with doubt, they can't move forward because they're stuck in apprehension. A confused Christian is the playground of the devil. You can't back up, you can't go forward, you don't feel like you're worthy to do anything. Let me tell you something. Just let me clarify this to you. You're not worthy to do anything, but we are worthy to serve him who has saved us. Amen. But listen, if you don't have absolute assurity that you've been saved, it's hard to move forward. And that's why the church is stuck. 
to point over there, and the scripture says, listen, that the, that, the, that, the, the time come, the seeds, they sprung up, the Bible says. So now, listen, we've already went through a season. We've already went through the growing season, and when, the, and when they budded out, the Bible says, and they came back, and he said, listen, there's tares in the wheat. Now listen, this is in some important doctrine that we, as a church, that we need to adapt and accept. And listen, now the Bible says that they went back to the goodman and the, the, the owner of the field, and they said, would you have us to go and, and, and pull the tares? Listen, he said, no. Let them both grow together. Lest you root up the wheat with the tares. He said, just let them stay. Let them grow. And he said, at the time of the harvest, I bind the tares in the bundles and burn them. And he said, but the wheat will I gather and lay in my barn. Amen. Now listen, he said the field is the world. The seed is the gospel. The wheat are the saved. The tares are the wicked. The end of, he said the harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. Amen. Francisian, I'm here to tell you, Jesus gave us plan. So many people, they try and make things so difficult. I don't need to watch. Listen, look at me when I tell you this. Because the church has fell prey to this. You've got to watch the 6 o'clock news to understand what this means. Amen? This Bible is not based on current events. Amen? Listen to me. This thing does not rise and fall on the 6 o'clock news. Stop it. It is written to us and for us. And I'll get to this in just a few minutes. Listen, I, I, got, I feel like I need to lay a lot of groundwork before I get into the preaching this morning. Friends, listen, the Bible tells us what the end shall be. Amen. At his second coming. He's already came once. He came as the Lamb. He shall return as the Lion one more time. Now the Bible says we get into this place. Now we know what the end of them shall be. And now we see that they're seated and they're growing in amongst the church. Right? And a lot of times we as a church, what do we do? What do we try and do? We try and pull them out. But when you try and pull the tires, you pull wheat with it. Right? Amen, preacher. That's what the Bible says. Should we execute, uh, listen, should we execute the divine counsel in the Word of God? Uh, should we exercise uh, church? Uh, discipline and all those things, absolutely. Amen. They're clearly defined. They're clearly outlined in the Word of God. But sometimes people are just out of pure jealousy, are just out of pure absolute meanness. Amen. They grab the tares, and in doing so, you pull the wheat with the tares. 
Jesus said, let them alone. Let them keep growing. You know, the Bible says this. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. It's not for me and you. It's the Lord. Now I want to get back to the meat of the matter. Now we've laid the context, right? There's a mixed multitude and there's a crowd. Jesus is on the Sea of Tiberias and he's speaking. Amen? Now listen, now we get up here. Listen, he's preaching to them. And the Bible says, as we pick up in chapter number 13, now we, now we have the context of the geography of where they are and what's transpiring. Now Jesus, he comes up. Listen, and he says the same day when Jesus uh, went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together so that, uh, uh, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now, we've got a mixed multitude, right? And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Listen, I, I, like I said, he gets in depth of who this sower is in the latter part of this chapter. But now listen, the Bible says, And he went forth to sow, and some seeds fell by the wayside, and the flowers came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places, uh, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Let's talk about these two. Right, listen, I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, hey, if you've been listening to Wednesday night, if you hadn't, shame on you. Amen? Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, I thought I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> but I've talked about on Wednesday night as we've made our, and we've advanced through the book of Romans. It's, it's absolutely evident and absolutely positively clear that God has given us all a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. I just talked about it Wednesday night. Amen. And because we all have that measure of faith, we can also go and tie that back in with Romans chapter number 1. What the Bible tells us that, listen, we can seek his creation. The creation is not enough to save us, but it's enough to know that there is a creator. And if we reject what we have and we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, the Bible says that we are without excuse. You see, this is where I want to preach everybody to a point and understanding to friends. Listen, it does not matter if you don't believe it. It does not matter if you don't like it. You can try and change our culture, our society. You can try and change our constitution, but you're not changing the word of God. Amen. I am the Lord thy God, and change it not. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Amen. First chapter of the book of Hebrews, he said, and the worlds were framed by the word of God. Friends, listen to me. People have got to come to an understanding that, listen, the days and times of ignorance have passed. There is no more excuses. There are no more avenues. There are no more back doors as if there ever were. That's another message for another time. 
But friends, we've come to this place right here that there are people that are sold in amongst us. And this is why I'm preaching this this morning. They are sown in amongst us. Friends, listen. And we as the Americanized church, we have been fed this dispensational theology that would teach us that we never suffer any kind of persecution, we never go through any tribulation, and it's unfounded in the Word of God. You don't have to say amen and say it anyway. You see, until 1830, this doctrine was never prevalent. Amen? It, even, it don't even have any history in the church. You may say, well, preacher, I don't care about that. Well, listen, you ought to care about it. Amen? Because for uh, roughly 1,900 years, they never taught this. How could they teach this when all the first apostles were martyred? All but John, he's the only one that died a natural death. And it's not because they didn't try and kill him. You see, this is a very Americanized gospel where we're, it's, it's health, wealth, and prosperity. And the church will be saved and kept. Friends, listen to me. God will protect his people. I promise you that. Amen. Listen, we see this in Exodus chapter number 12 as we come to the culmination and the final plague that came upon Egypt. But listen, there was nine other plagues before that. Thank God that there was a place outside of Egypt which was called Goshen where the people of God were. Amen. When there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. God will protect us. God will go with us. And then we get over in the book of Revelation, uh, the Revelation and we see, well, listen, there's those that are beheaded for the gospel's sake. Martyrs. The original apostles were martyred. You're not special. I'm not special. Listen to me. The act of baptism is an outward profession to the witnessing world that you are willing to to lay your life down, that you're willing to die for the cause of Christ. And the act of baptism has lost a lot of its significance in America because we are not persecuted. But you cross the pond and they're still tied to the bumpers of cars. They're still forced under uh, uh, the, in the basements of their homes. I heard and read a missionary story. Uh, listen, there was a, one Bible that made it into a colony. And listen, for fear uh, of, uh, of the, the leaders killing them, what they did is they took one Bible. Uh, listen, and they tore the pages out individually and distributed those pages amongst the church. And everybody that had a page was responsible for memorizing the Word of God. That way they could not take the word of God from them. Yeah. But you see, a lot of times it's too hard for us just to, you know, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, a chapter a day keeps the devil away. Right? We drink our eight glasses of water, we eat an apple, and we might read a chapter. We 
Uppsala. But that's why we follow and pray to where we are right now in the church. And listen, I'm not being critical. I, I'm not. I'm preaching this message this morning to hopefully push you. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, Prince. If we never strive to do better, if we never strive to learn more, if we never pray more, if we never exercise our faith, then we'll never grow. So we get to a point right here. Now, now listen. Now we've already read past this, so we know that Jesus is speaking in parables and the disciples are confused at why he is speaking in parables. But who he's speaking to still won't hear what he's saying. And, he, and, he, and when he sowed, now I could preach on this all day, and I'm going to try and make this short. Didn't say, and if he sowed, it says, and when. Amen? Look at it. Your dirt will be plowed. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It's not if it will be, right. it's when it will be. Yeah. Amen? I need you to hear me. I need you to understand that point this morning. There are people sitting in the church house today saying, I'm waiting on God to plow my dirt. They're 40 years old, sitting in the house of God under the gospel preaching for 40 years, and they're sitting there waiting on God to do something. God's already done it. And it's not God's fault that, listen, the old busted clods have fallen back over themselves. They've hardened from all the rain. And they're, listen, and you can't see the rows anymore because they're grown up in weeds. And you're sitting there saying, I'm waiting on God. And God's sitting there saying, clean your own dirt out. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I'm jumping off this wagon about the, all the preachers blaming everything on God. All the churches blaming everything on God. We're waiting on God. We're just sitting here waiting, waiting, waiting. Amen. I, listen, I don't know what you're waiting on. When Jesus left, you know what he said? He didn't say wait. He said go. Amen. He said go. And preach the gospel. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now you say just generally preacher we shouldn't wait on the Lord and we shouldn't get direction. No. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I've been preaching long enough to know, listen, somebody's going to take offense. Everything I say, everywhere I go. Amen. I'm just, I'm used to it. So listen, <clears throat> he has commanded us to go. Should we, listen, when we get to certain situations and places in our lives, yes, we should pause. Yes, we should garner leadership and we should garner direction. But listen, friends, listen, when we're garnering leadership and direction, we should already be moving. Yeah. And when he saw some seeds fell by the wayside. And the clouds came 
and devoured them up. Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are some people today that, uh, listen, I, I, I don't, and, you know, since we moved into our new house, I, I'm boy, I'm particular about my glass. Amen. People can get on me about it. Listen, I, I don't want you driving in my yard. Amen. I fertilize it. I walk it every day and pull weeds. I like my grass. I like for it to look good. But it takes work. It takes effort. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, the, uh, the overwhelming majority of people, they're not willing to, listen, there'll be some people that will never darken the doors of a church ever in their lifetime. Listen, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, preach the gospel at all times, sometimes use words. That's garbage. Yes, you ought to live a godly life. Yes, your life sometimes will be the only gospel that some people see. But that does not exonerate you from telling people about Jesus Christ. You're not going to live a good life to get them saved. You've got to tell them they need to be saved. You've got to tell them physically and verbally that you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Some fell by the wayside. Listen, and I'm going to move on. There's a lot of people. They are just by the wayside. The dirt's already hard, compacted, full of rocks, weeds growing over. And it's so tight that the seed itself can't even fall anywhere good enough to even germinate. It just sets right on top. Well, you think about this. This gospel this morning, it goes out and goes out and goes out, friends. Listen, and the overwhelming majority of people it just sets right on top. And then the devil, the fires, the enemy comes in and just steals the seed. Because they never do anything with it. They've never even made any kind of preparation to receive it. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, hey, I believe that, uh, listen, I believe that we've got to uh, prepare to receive what God is giving. Amen? That's what the preaching of the gospel is. Right? How should they hear without a preacher? How should they preach lest they be sent? Hey, friends, listen, I'm telling you something. There is a, there's a place, there's a point in the time, friends, listen, when the gospel must be preached and it must. Listen, you've got to make preparations to receive it. And if you never make preparations, you're just set. You'll be carried away. Some fell upon stony places. Now, listen, we get to the wayside and the stony places. It's really not much different. This is, uh, you know, Cecil Reeves used to call them the, e the EMC crowd. I thought he was talking about the, electro uh, the electrical membership. 
He said, no, the Easter is Mother's Day and Christmas crowd. in the rocks to see a little dirt. Can't really get any sun in there. S-O-N or S-U-N, however you want to describe it. Sea falls and it's just covered up and it has nowhere to go. Can't get any nutrients. It's hid. Can't get any sun. Eventually, it just dissolves, never grows down, never grows up. Now listen, and when the sun was up, uh, they were scorched because they had no root, and they withered away. And sun fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Now listen, friends, listen, there's a lot of people today... They believe, and I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to use these terms, so just keep up with it. Amen? There's a lot of people believe in conditional security. What is conditional security? Preacher, they believe, uh, listen, now there's two types, and there's two flavors of this, and I'm going to preach them to you. Amen? Because the, the modern church today, we need to know these things. Now, listen, you have a lot of the charismatic movement, uh, and their interpretation of, of conditional security is that you can lose your, your salvation, that you can actually out-sin it. Right? That's the modern perception that a lot of people have. When somebody says you can lose your salvation, that's what they think of. They think that you can out the grace of God. Go ahead and ask me. Is that possible? No. I'll answer. Thank you. You cannot out the grace of God. And listen, because of this theology, and because... People in the house of God have not taken the time to eat and study the Word of God. They hear this theology, and it locks you in a state of fear. I don't know if I'm saved. And, and listen, there's people that struggle. Why? To, it's sad. And God help, listen, they are manipulated from the pulpit. They give them, they give them a list of cans and cannots. When God knows what's going on in the life that's been revealed year after year after year of the man of God or the so-called man of God that's preaching. Look at me and hear me closely when I say this. This is a monopoly, and they're doing it to make you pay. Amen? It's an economics-based gospel. If people can put you in a state of fear, right? If they can lock you in a state of fear, they can keep their numbers up, they can keep their tithes up. Preacher, that sounds awful. No, that's just the truth. That's the truth. So they teach this ideology of a condition of security where you can outstand the grace of God. You may not be enjoying this, but I am, so I'm just going to keep going. So they, 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 they sow this 
Uh, this idea of it is the theology that you can outstand the grace of God, that you can lose your salvation. And people are locked up in a state of fear. And they don't know if they've done too much. And if they've done too much, and if they don't pray just right, and sing just right, then if they close their eyes, they're going to hell. You ever been around somebody like that? I have. They're constantly in fear of where they're going to spend eternity. And then you have another flavor of conditional security. And they don't believe that you can lose it, but they believe that you can renounce it or you can walk away from it. And just to hang a denomination with that, and I'm not falling out with them one, one iota because I believe we deal with people the same, the most part. But that's what your Methodist doctrine primarily is, is they believe in conditional security that you can renounce and that you can walk away from. And when it comes down to it, I believe in eternal security and if somebody were to walk away from their salvation, my response would be that they were never saved to begin with. They went out up from us because they were not of us. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen. Uh, and you may say, well, preacher, are you trying to condone this? No, I'm not trying to condone this. And you can believe however you want to believe. But I can say this. Uh, if you believe that one man can renounce it, and, and I believe in the same uh, sense that somebody uh, was never saved in the first place, you know how we're both going to deal with that one person? We're both going to preach the gospel to them. We're both going to see them saved. Right? But now let's get to this. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. Preacher, this right here sounds an awful lot like somebody who was saved. Sounds like they had not only fruit, but it sounds like they had some root. That's where the context of this parable comes into play. Remember context? Who's this, who is this parable to? to the Pharisees, the very, very religious people. How many times have you read the scripture where Jesus told him, he said, you are like whited sepulchers. You're like a beautiful grave, but on the inside are dead men's bones. See, now this is where the context of the passage comes in. But see, if we don't carry the context into the parable, then there's people walking around the church house today that's scared to death that they're going to lose their faith and they're going to hell. Tell me I'm wrong. Half the church is scared out of their mind that they're going to hell. Are people going to hell, preacher? Yes. You know what? The Bible says the overwhelming majority of them are. Broad is the way and wide is the gate. Many be that go in thereat. That's what the scripture said. Few go in 
at the narrow and straight. That's Bible. But listen, what I want to put in context this morning is, as the, uh, listen, I'm telling you something, Francis. People abuse the Word of God to manipulate you. But you preach this word in context, and he's preaching this parable. He's not preaching this parable to the saints. Right? He's preaching it to the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the lost. Amen. You remember this? When we get to the 10th verse, and the disciples came and said unto him, they're, they're sitting here and they're saying, Can you see, Peter? I can't. Disciples came and said to him, Why are you speaking to them in the parables? Listen to Jesus' answer. He answered, said to them, Because it is given to you. Who is the you in this context? The you in this context is the disciples. What are the disciples? What do the disciples corporately represent? The disciples corporately represent believers. The saints. It's given to you to know the mysteries. What is a mystery? Uh, Listen, I love this, and I wrote this definition. A mystery in Scripture is a previously hidden truth now divinely revealed. Previously hidden truth, now divinely revealed. The Bible says, because it's given unto you, the noble mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, but to them, it is not given. Well, now, preacher, now you've opened up a whole other can of worms. Now you tell me that, that they can't believe because God has made them where they cannot believe? Are you saying that some people are called and some people are the elect and the foreordained and the predestined? And listen, I ain't even got time. No. I ain't even got time to get into the baggage that we bring into those words. But listen, I will say this. In short, I have to keep this message uh, listen, I, I, a little bit shorter uh, than, it, than it probably uh, needs to be. But listen, we get to this context over here. Now listen, you say, well, preacher, are, are these people, can I not hear? Are they, are they physically born in a state where they can't do this? No, keep reading. Therefore speak I unto them the parables because they seem not. Right? Because they... Who is they? The they is them. Who is the them? The them are the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the lost. Amen. Therefore I speak unto the lost in parables because they seeing not and hearing not, neither do they understand. Now has God made them this way? Keep reading. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which saith, By hearing ye shall hear. And shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross. What does that mean? That means you have hardened your heart. You are wayside, you are stony, and you are foreign. 
because of the condition that you have made yourself. Not how God made you, but the condition you have made yourself. Everybody in here has messed with the garden at some point time in your life, friends, sister, tell me if you want to have, uh, listen, you got to put effort into it, don't you? You got to roll the dirt, you got to keep the dirt. When you plant the seeds, then listen, you got to work the seeds, you still got to work the weeds out, you've got to water, you've got to fertilize. Uh, listen, and once you have germination and they begin to grow down and then begin to grow up, uh, listen, you've got to see. I, or not see, but you've got to uh, weed again. Then you've got to fertilize again. Then come uh, all those wonderful things I'm dealing with at the house. you got Japanese beetles that show up in the middle of the night. Uh, listen, and you got the deer to beat off. And you got the rabbits and everything else that's coming in. Uh, listen, and they're coming in to bring, destroy. Uh, Does that know what the Word of God says? The devil has come not but for the steel, kill, and destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Listen, if we are properly cultivated and planted in the garden of God, listen to me, friends. Hey, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. Thank God I can't go to hell. Why, preacher? Because I'm saved. Saved, saved. I love that song. They said, I'm free, free, free because I'm saved, saved, saved. Now listen, I know I keep going back and forth, but I want to get this good, this last one. (laughs) So listen, you say, well, preacher, if, if they were made that way and they couldn't be any other way, then why would he have told them this? And this is a good question. Amen. Because this brings resolution to the scripture. The Bible says, but others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. You see, if you see but cannot perceive, you hear but yet cannot hear, if your heart is so dull and it's waxed gross or it's hardened, there's nowhere for the seed to go. What is the seed? The seed is the gospel. And so I'm preaching to you this this morning because this has been preached to the saved people. And it's put the saved people in a state of chaos in the church. They can't nobody serve. They can't nobody be a deacon. They can't nobody be a Sunday school teacher. They can't nobody lead the choir. They can't nobody preach anymore because they don't know if they're saved. If you're willing to receive it, 
you're willing to hear it. You're willing to see it. The ground is open. Listen to it. God is the gardener. Preacher, you're not worried about thorns and rocks and hard ground? No, God, Eric, God is my gardener. You see, I don't worry about compacted soil and rocks and thorns. I don't worry about I don't worry about all the bugs and everything else because I know He will preserve the seed. Because I am no longer mine, but I am now His. You see, this is why so many people are, are locked up in a state of doubt is because, friends, listen to me, you've, got to, you've never came to the realization that you're not your own anymore. You're still trying to tear your own dirt and rock your own God. Right? You're trying to rock and stop everything. Listen to me. It's not yours. It is His. I am His. And He is mine. Now listen. Verse number 13, my mind is up. Therefore, uh, speak unto them in parables because they see not. The lost. Because the lost see not and hear not. Neither do they understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people is wax heart, for this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are full of, uh, listen, are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they, their eyes, they have closed. Well, it's God's fault. No. Look me in the eyes. It is not God's fault. If you are hard or if you are wicked and if you are wretched, it is because you have put yourself in that state. But this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time, lest at any Oh my goodness, what a gospel Christ is. Lest at any time, at any time, they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with, them, with their heart, listen to this, and should be converted, and I would heal them. What am I saying? That's why Jesus stood over them and he said, I would that I would gather you in like a mother here and gathers her chicks under her wings. But you would not. He's saying, come. If you would just see and hear and believe he said, I would save you. But you won't. Now remember, I preached this this morning because I wanted to put this in proper biblical context of who Jesus was talking to. Now well, turn with us right there to 1 John chapter number 5. I'm going to read this in closing. 
Preacher, how can I know if I've been saved? Amen. You know what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse number 13, he said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1. Whosoever believeth, what is the recipe, Jeff? Believe. Believe, believe, believe. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Skip down to verse number 18. I love this verse. Who, we know that whosoever is born of God saith not but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one Toucheth him not. Get out of that. says this, no man can come, those are the two operative words of that verse, by the way, no man can come unto the Father, unless the Father which sent him draw him. Amen? So what does that mean? Nobody can come to the Father, can come to the Father, unless they be drawn. Okay? That's 644. Keep reading. John 12, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Okay? Well, I'm waiting on God to draw me. No, you're not. No, you're not. The draw was complete at Calvary. Keep reading. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, we're told. He said, I go to prepare a place. He wasn't, and I said this, I believe a couple weeks and nights ago, he wasn't talking about finishing sheetrock and paint for heaven. Amen. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about Calvary. Because, listen, he said, uh, listen, he was talking about Calvary because Calvary is where the draw transpires. Keep reading. John 16. The Bible tells us this. He said, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. Now listen. He said, when the comforter has come, 
He will reprove the world of sin. What does the word reprove mean? Convict. Calvary is the draw. The spirit and the gospel are the conviction. Are you waiting on it? Boy, I'm telling you, like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of preachers that stood in a pulpit this morning and proclaimed the gospel. Amen? Well, I tell you something, Princess, and if we've ever done, done anything, uh, uh, the most benefit that I tell you that the church has done uh, probably in, in a good many years is there is four months worth of preaching that's recorded on social media. If you say you ain't heard the word of God, I listen, when you talk about getting the gospel to the ends of the earth, yeah. it is flooded. You can't, I, I don't know about you, but I get calls every day of the week. Do you hear such and such? Do you hear somebody? Do you hear this? It's, it's a, there's no more excuses. You see, where people uh, had excuses, and God had already told them that they didn't have none. Now listen to me. He's for sure, and they'll be called for the night. I'll read this to you, Brother Kemp, if you could. Come get one verse of invitation. I love 1 John 5. Listen, and I'll read this in conclusion. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You see, this word is full of promises to God's people. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For they, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit beareth, the, the Spirit itself. Amen. Now listen to me. You want to say, well, preacher, why do you believe so wholeheartedly in the doctrine of eternal security? And I didn't even really have time to get into that this morning. That's a whole other message in itself. But friends, listen to me. You, you need to understand my perception and theologically from the Word of God. When we are saved, we are then indwelt and embodied with with God Himself, the Holy Ghost, therefore embodies us. I can't reject and walk away and out seeing what I now am. I am not my own anymore. I am His. I am in the vine. The Spirit itself bears witness with, witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. That's good. <laughs> heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What about that? Yeah. I'm going to read that one more time. I promise I'm done, even though I can keep going. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we should suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Stand your feet this morning.
If you're saved, I want you to know that you're saved. And the Bible says that you can know. Amen. You can know. Now, if you're lost and the gospel scares you, it should. If you're lost, if you're afraid to die, you should be. If you're lost and you're separated from God and, uh, and, and you're fearful of, that you'll spend an eternity without God separated from Christ in hell, you should be. But if you know that you're saved, when Annalie got saved the other night, she sat up in the living room and she said, I believed and it clicked. Is it really that simple, preacher? Yes. We've made it so incredibly hard. But boy, if you can get to that place I'm glad I can remember that place where just me and Jesus and I finally believed and it changed and I've not been the same since I'm glad that I can know when I spend time with him in the word I know when I spend time in prayer with him, I know. And I know when I'm not in the church. You know, there's a lot of people that are only saved in the church for some reason. <coughs> I'm glad I know no matter where I am. But friends, listen to me. If you're scared of dying and going to hell, then you're lost and you need to get saved. But if you know it's time to grab a hold of the knowledge that you have and start living it. I'm going to tell you something. If you know, way down deep inside, you say, Preacher, I know. I know I'm saved. You never exercise it, it'll never grow. 